in just a short time, a little more than 12 hours from now, the earth will have rotated on its axis 365 times. In 2023, will end. The earth in its orbit will have completed one more orbit around the sun and 2023 will end. I think I could just preach on the uh, extraordinary, miraculous plan of God to put all that in place and then allow us to be able to figure out how many hours are in a day and how many days are in a week and in a year. Adjust that all throughout uh, our lifetime. Follow that all throughout our lifetime. What a marvelous God we serve. Well, we're just about to end 2023. 365 days. I, if you hadn't checked and didn't know, I'm going to warn you, you've got one extra day to deal with in 2024. It's a leap year. So we'll have an extra day in February. But we're about to enter into 366 days uh, to follow through, to carry out. Again, under God's miraculous order, putting everything into place uh, as we move into a brand new year, 2024. Some of us, that may mean some more parties. For some of us, certainly it will mean some football. For some of us, it may mean some uh, uh, more eating, more traveling, or more guests in the home, whatever. The holidays just don't seem to end until we get past that first day of the new year. <coughs> it's also a significant time uh, at this time of the year, at the, the end of a year, the beginning of a new year, when we make some decisions and some plans, and some of us call it resolutions, uh, for the new year. I would remind us our pastor gave us some goals for 2024 last Sunday in the Christmas Eve message. And I want to just remind us of those again today because they become a part of the purpose of today's message. And hopefully something will be helpful as we seek to reach those goals in 2024. But more in 24. More reaching, more going, more giving, more praying, more worshiping. All of that is a challenge for us as we move into the next orbit of the earth around the sun for the next year. We all need to be making our own goals, decisions, plans, and projections for the new year. And I encourage you to do that. I, I think we've all had trouble with, quote, resolutions, and we kind of shy away from that term. But we need to be prepared for the new year. And I want to share with you from God's Word today a passage of Scripture that I hope will be helpful in doing that, entitling the passage and the message, Facing the Unknown. Because with what our pastor projected for 2024, he doesn't know and we don't know what may face our church as we try to approach those goals in 2024. The same thing would be true for your personal goals or your family goals or your business goals. There's probably somebody here today who's thinking, I'm going to Pop the question, I'm going to give her that ring in 2024. We're going to become engaged. And there's probably some other folks here today, I'm sure there are by live stream or somewhere out there in the reach of uh, this message who are saying we're going to get married in 2024. But that's all unknown. We have our plans, our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations. We're moving in a certain direction, but we really don't know uh, what the future holds. And I want to share with you a passage of scripture today about a group of people, God's people, who didn't know what the future held and didn't know what to do. But what they didn't know to do, they, they did the right thing in submitting themselves and surrendering themselves to the power, the plan, the purpose of God and God's ability to help them through uh, what they were facing. 
Our passage today is going to be 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you'll take your Bible, we're going to see one verse of that on the screen, and it'll remain on the screen all throughout the message this morning. It'll be our key verse. But uh, you may want to look with me at some other verses in 2 Chronicles 20. And as you look at that passage of Scripture and find 2 Chronicles, maybe a little hard to find. We don't always go there, but it's part of the books of history in the Old Testament uh, just uh, before uh, Job and Psalms and Proverbs, and you go back through Nehemiah, uh, Esther, and Ezra, the history books, and then you get back to uh, uh, Second Chronicles. And along with them is First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. So that's where you'll find it, uh, in probably the first third of your Old Testament in chapter 20. And we're going to be focusing on verse 12, but I want to give you an assignment or an encouragement that you take this chapter for your own study. I'm going to try to overview some of it today, but you need to take it and do your own study of it in depth. And not only this chapter, but also the preceding and following chapters that all relate to the king who's ruling at this time in Judah's history. Uh, and then if you do your research in depth, take a Bible dictionary or a concordance, you'll find that this king is not only referenced here in Second Chronicles, but he's also referenced in First Kings. So if you do an in-depth study and want to see everything you can, you'll need to look at several chapters, several verses. But make a note of this, and I pray that it'll be helpful to you in the next few days as we move into a new year, as you think about the unknown and you make your plans and realize God's provision and God's promises to help you. But then you might also want to do some in-depth study throughout the year with this and keep it somewhere close in your Bible or in your devotional material because you may today say, you know, I'm not really facing that great of a challenge. Things are going pretty smooth. Everything's working all right for me right now. And I hope it'll be that way throughout the year. Well, I can just almost certainly tell you for 366 days, there's going to be at least one or two bad days for you, if not many more. It's going to happen. That's just the world we live in. And so you may have this tucked away somewhere and have studied it. And then the Holy Spirit reminds you, you know, we looked at something on New Year's Eve. And now I'm facing what God's people were facing then. Not the same problem, but the same type of problem. And I've learned some things about how to respond and what, what I can trust in and, and what uh, word from God I have and go back to that and use it. Maybe a month from now, six months from now, maybe near the end of 2024, but somewhere this passage of scripture, hopefully, and the related uh, chapters and passages will be helpful to you as well. Uh, our verse is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. It's on the screen. And again, I'm going to spend some time with more verses in that chapter. So if you have your Bible, you can follow with me. But make some note to go back and do some in-depth study of the characters and also the history that's involved in this particular story and incident today. I want to ask you if you would to stand with me as we read God's Word. And I'm going to ask you to read aloud with me just this one verse. We'll talk more about it, but we'll talk about several other verses as well. This is a part of a prayer of the king of God's people. And in that prayer, he says, read with me, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on thee. Thank you and be seated. This one verse may be one that you well want to memorize, and there may be some others that you want to memorize as well as I point them out to you today. <coughs> Excuse me. 
The picture here today is of God's people 3,000 years ago. You say, well, that just sounds like a senior adult minister talking about something 3,000 years old that's not going to do us one, good, one bit of good in this modern age that we live in, this advanced technological age that we live in. It's not going to help us a bit in 2021. Uh, excuse me, 2024. See, I told you I'm a senior adult. Think, things get mixed up. But I want to tell you that there's great relevance to this passage of Scripture. First of all, because it's God inspired, God's inspired Word, and the Bible itself tells us of itself, forever God's Word is settled in heaven. And God's Word goes forth to accomplish a purpose and will not return void. So whatever we find in Scripture, no matter how ancient it may be, there is relevant, relevance and benefit for us in our day and in our world, our situation, our circumstances uh, as well. Not only is this the inspired uh, Word of God, but it talks about the activity and the nature and the character of God in that time, and God does not change. And so the same God that operated then is operating today, and the same power He demonstrated then, He demonstrates today. The same care He demonstrated then, He will demonstrate today. So we certainly can benefit from this passage of Scripture. But the picture here from 3,000 years ago is of the nation of Judah somewhere after 900 B.C., moving between 900 and 850 B.C. If you add that up, you add the uh, 21st century to that, and uh, you see we're, we're moving quickly too. Uh, a total of 3,000 years since this happened. A coalition of enemies surrounding the nation of Judah have come together against the nation of Judah. They've come together so powerfully and so uh, enthusiastically that they've already crossed the borders and they're in Jewish territory, camped, ready to attack Jerusalem and ready to attack the main people in the main heartland of the nation of Judah to conquer them. Jehoshaphat is the king. Uh, you'll learn about Jehoshaphat if you do the in-depth study that I encourage you to do. You'll find out about him in this chapter and the other chapters and also over in 1 Kings you'll find out he's the good king, Jehoshaphat. That's the way he's listed. If you remember all the kings of Israel and Judah usually have that designation. They're either the bad king or the good king. Well, he's one of the good guys, one of the good kings. But he's also a human being. In fact, as you hold your Bible in your hand or think with me about God's word all throughout that Bible, all the characters, all the stories, all the people that are there, they're all human just like Jehoshaphat. And imperfect and fallible uh, and failures in many places in their lives. All those characters, including Jehoshaphat, except for one. And that's our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin. Faced temptation as we do, but never failed to sin. So the Bible is filled with fallible characters, including this good king, Jehoshaphat. He made some mistakes. In this particular incident, he does all the right things, thank God. And God uses him to lead his people against the issue, the issue of this invasion. Uh, another uh, reminder for us today, have you ever known, can you ever find anywhere in history when uh, the Jewish people, God's people, were a united kingdom under Saul and David and Solomon, or then a divided kingdom, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, or once they were kind of uh, obliterated and scattered all over the face of the earth and then came back together to form a nation once again in most of our lifetimes, 1948. 
Have you ever known a time when there were not enemies who wanted to assassinate and annihilate the people of Israel? It's been going on through all these years and certainly it's where we are today. That's another reason this study today is relevant for us, if for nothing else, just to see God's favor upon the uh, nation of Israel and God's plan for the nation of Israel, even uh, then and even today as well. So the picture is threat against Judah, God's people. Now, as you apply this to your life today, you need to translate uh, from the story and say, it's not Jehoshaphat, it's me that needs to act in a time of crisis, that needs to act in the time of a challenge or a problem. As I face the unknown, as the unknown now makes itself known to me in the weeks and months to come, and all of a sudden I have to face this issue. And then you need to plug in, even in, as in our verse here, Oh God, will thou not judge them? Well, your problem in 2024 may not be them. It may be a, a variety of things, a whole host of things that I won't try to name them. And you may not even begin to anticipate them today, but they're gonna happen. And as they do, you can respond as Jehoshaphat did. And with the faith that's expressed in this part of the prayer and in this story that we're uh, looking at here today. The prayer of Jehoshaphat, uh, the picture is a problem, an issue, a threat. The uh, parallels is that what was true then can be true today. What happened in the lives of those people then can happen in my life and in your life today as well. And the prayer begins in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning in verse 5 down through verse 12. And we've just read verse 12. I won't read the entire prayer. I will tell you though, it's a beautiful prayer and if you're a student of the prayers of the Bible, you certainly want to include this in one of those prayers that you study and that you remember and that you contain in your list of all the prayers of the Bible. This is one of the most meaningful and beautiful prayers of all. And Jehoshaphat, as he hears there's a threat against my people, does the right thing for a child of God and for a leader of God's people he declares what we see here in this verse, but the first thing he does is, I want to call on God. I want to pray. He's not looking around for allies. He's not looking around for other answers or other resources. He goes straight to the Lord in prayer. And beginning in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5, you have that prayer uh, as it goes forward. One of the aspects of that prayer I mentioned in the earlier service, I want to mention in this one as well, because Brother Steve so beautifully sang for us the faithfulness of God. Well, that's one of the things Jehoshaphat declares in this prayer in the early part of it. God, we've needed you in the past and you've never failed us. You've been faithful to us. And by implication, he's saying, we need you now. And we're trusting that you're going to be faithful to us in this day, in this situation. Can you translate that over into your life now or in the days to come? When you need the Lord, go straight to him in prayer. And when you do, acknowledge, Lord, you've been faithful in the past. And as you've been faithful in the past, I'm trusting it, relying upon you to be faithful in the future. I won't go through all that prayer. You can study that for yourself. But let's look just for a moment at our uh, passage here on the screen, this 12th verse, the conclusion of the prayer. Oh God, will thou not judge them? We're going to hear him uh, here in this passage of scripture in just in a few moments, the declaration, the battle is not mine, the battle is the Lord's. And I think that's what Jehoshaphat is understanding right here. Lord, we can't handle this. You've got to. We're turning it over to you. Then, for we have no might against this great company. Now again, 
as you apply this to your life and use it for yourself, plug in your own problem, your own issue. For some of us, it's still out there in the year to come. For some of us, we're going through it right now. And so we have no might against whatever your problem might be. In this case, it was a great army. A declaration, we are physically not able to handle this or to face this or to conquer this. We have no might. Then, neither know we what to do. Not only are we physically unable, but we're mentally un incapable and unqualified to handle this situation and we don't have the wisdom to know the right decisions to make in the right direction and the right way to face this crisis that's come into our life. So in we, as we face the unknown that suddenly makes itself known as a threat, we declare our own inability physically, mentally, intellectually. We don't try to look for other resources for help, but we declare within ourselves our own uh, inability and turn to God. And the final statement there in this prayer of Jehoshaphat as he closes it out, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We're looking upward and not only looking, but I think the implication here is there's listening. We're looking to you, listening for you to give us instruction and direction as to how to handle this insurmountable problem, insurmountable issue that's come into our lives. Well, that ends Jehoshaphat's prayer. And then we're introduced to another person in the story. He's a prophet by the name of Jehazael. He's introduced in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14. And the scripture says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he then had the word of God through the spirit of God to minister to the people of God in the time of crisis that they were facing. The word name spirit there, the word identification spirit there in verse 14 is capitalized. It's a reference to the Holy Spirit. We all understand, I think, that the Holy Spirit has always been. He's equal with God. He is God. But he's not always functioned in the world in the same way. In the Old Testament, he came upon this prophet. He came and appeared and acted for certain situations and certain needs and then was withdrawn once again in the Old Testament. But with the coming of the New Testament, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to be on and with and indwell all believers all the time, any situation, uh, in any uh, problem, any issue that we may be facing. And so what happened here is just a reminder it happened once in this particular situation for them, but for us, the Holy Spirit is within us and available to help us every time, all the time, no matter what we're facing. Let me just remind us, uh, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and filled believers uh, so that once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He never departs. We always have Him there as a resource. And before that happened, Jesus in the upper room talked to His disciples. Here's another study of scripture you may want to do. John, Gospel of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. <clears throat> Jesus' prayer and Jesus' discourse in the upper room. You may want to make a note of that passage and go through and all the beautiful things that are there, but especially note what he had to say about the Holy Spirit. You remember he said, I've got to go away. That's breaking your heart. But if I go away, I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you. But better than that, he's going to be in you. Totally different than here. Much more available and accessible to us now than it was in this Old Testament passage. But Jesus not only said that the Holy Spirit will be with you and be in you, but he said he'll be your teacher. He'll be your comforter. In fact, one of his names is Comforter. 
He'll be uh, with you to teach you, to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you, to direct you in every situation, in every circumstance. That kind of fits into our verse right here, doesn't it? Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And for us, it's our eyes are on the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of us, given to us at salvation to abide with us, to indwell us, and to help us no matter what we have to face. When you face your unknown, whether it's something that you didn't expect and all of a sudden it's already come or something that you never dreamed would happen but it shows up in this new year or somewhere in your future, you can do exactly what God's uh, people did here and what Jehoshaphat led the people to do there. And that's to pray and say, Lord, we deny and reject and declare we're incapable and we're totally looking to you. And with the New Testament message, we have you in us, in the person, in the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> well, the Holy Spirit enabled Jehazael to give the people God's word. They prayed, we're looking, we're listening, and God immediately responded to this prophet and gave them his answer and his comfort. I want to read to you two verses <clears throat> uh, in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20 once again, verses 15 and 17. I want you just to listen to these verses. Once again, if you want to memorize that 12th verse, I don't think you'd do yourself any harm to do that, but you may want to go ahead and memorize verses 15 and 17 as well because they contain promises of God that are found throughout the Bible, but here they all are captured in a time of crisis, in a couple of sentences from this prophet who spoke to the people. Listen to what God's word has to say concerning your unknown today. Hearken ye all, and put your name in there if you want to, or your situation in there, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid <clears throat> nor dismayed. By reason of this great multitude. Once again, plug in your problem, your issue there. Be not afraid nor dismayed. He's going to say that twice. We'll see it again in a moment. And then he goes on to say, the battle is not yours. How hard a lesson is that for us to understand? We're going to set some goals. We're going to have some dreams and some plans. The enemy is going to throw up roadblocks and obstacles and difficulties along the way. Uh, seemingly insurmountable problems. And we try to take it on ourselves. Or we try to get somebody else to join with us. And we're going to handle this situation. And God's word reminds us, when you're filled with God's spirit and hearing God speak to you from his spirit, his first reminder to you, this isn't your problem, this is mine. I'm your father, you're my child. And as your heavenly father, I'm going to help you fight and deal with the issues and the crises that you face in life. So the battle is not yours, it's God's. He claims responsibility for what we have to face. Then in verse 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Here he says it again. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. The problem is not mine, it's his. The battle is not mine, it's his. But we do have a responsibility, don't we? First responsibility is to be looking to him and listening to what he has to say. And now here in this passage, the prophet tells them to prepare themselves for battle and to go out to battle, but to remember they're not alone, God is with them. 
And not only that, that the battle is his and he's going to fight the battle and deliver them. And that's God's promise and God's message to you and I as we face the unknown uh, in our lives and in our world today as well. I'll take just a minute to say a word to you about a word or two to you about the statement there, fear not nor be dismayed. It's repeated twice. Don't be afraid, fear not, nor be dismayed. Fear, I think we all understand what it is because we've all experienced it. But in the Hebrew language, in in the word that is used here, in the the message that God has given through the prophet here, he's saying, don't let your problem, your enemy, your issue, your challenge cause you to tremble and to quake and to shrink back uh, in fear or in anxiety or in uh, uh, resistance against the problem. Don't be uh, overwhelmed and overtaken and and, uh, uh, beat up by the problem or the issue that you're facing. That's the idea of fear. But then he goes on to say, but not only don't be afraid, don't quake and tremble against your problem or your enemy or your issue. He also says, be not dismayed. And the idea of dismayed has to do with being prostrate. In other words, falling down, either in surrender to the enemy, surrender to the problem, or uh, in hopelessness. He says, don't be afraid. Don't quake and tremble and shrink back because God is with you. And God's going to fight this battle with you and for you and, and direct you in the battle. And not only that, but don't be dismayed. Don't give up and fall down and surrender or uh, uh, lay down your arms and lay down your will uh, in hopelessness and helplessness. Neither fear not, neither be dismayed. That's God's word to you today as well. Again, no matter what you're facing now or sometime this year to come or somewhere out there in the future, when it comes your way, you're going to need this passage. and You're going to need this word from God. So have it tucked away in your mind or in your notes or in your place of, of, of private worship and devotion and then go back to it and hear God tell you once again, the battle is mine. I'm with you. You don't have to fight it. Just do what I tell you to do and trust me to see you through the battle. Never be afraid because I'm with you and also be not dismayed. Never give up. Never give in to the problem or to the enemy. That's the way we face the unknown, whatever our unknown may be. And each of us have a different unknown, but we're gonna have to face it. I wanna think that for 2024, our year and our lives are gonna know great joy and great blessing, great advancement. Those five goals we have for our church that we're gonna come together and move forward to reach those goals that the pastor has challenged us with and that are just obvious for us to be a part of as we move forward into the new year. But we've got an enemy that does not want this church to reach those goals, doesn't want us to go more and to give more and to, and to serve more. He doesn't want us to do those things. He's going to put some barriers and some obstacles. And when that happens, we as a church need to come together and claim the truth and the victory that's detailed and outlined here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. But then as you set goals for yourself and for your family, for your job, for your future, whatever it might be, I can assure you, For some, it may be smooth sailing, but for others, and I can't tell you who's going to be, which is going to have it smooth and which one's not, but for others, it's going to be hard. There are going to be some obstacles, some barriers. Some people are going to rise up against you. Some circumstances are going to be in your way. Some challenges are going to be there that you didn't anticipate. You're going to have to face the unknown when it makes itself known in your future. But that's why you need to be able to go back to the truth, the faith, the instruction, the guidance that's given us here by God and his people through a godly king and through a prophet that God used to speak his word to his people when they needed to hear it. 
If you read, go on and read the rest of this chapter, you remember that uh, the people win this battle and they never have to strike a blow. They never go into hand-to-hand -hand combat. There's never any bloodshed on the part of God's people. But this great coalition of enemy soldiers all uh, find themselves first defeated and then finally destroyed. They're all dead. They're all at the uh, point of surrender and helplessness at the end of this battle. And God's people never did a thing except to look to God, our eyes on thee, listen to what he said, and follow his instructions. He told them to prepare for battle, to go to the battlefield. And then he told them not to take out their swords and their shields and their knives and their articles and, and armaments of war, but he told them to start singing praises to God. Uh, when we sang a cappella a while ago, I can imagine, they didn't probably have a lot of instruments out there on the battlefield, so they sang a cappella, but they began to sing, Lord, we worship you and we honor you and we glorify you. And God used their praise and worship to defeat the enemy. The enemy was found, uh, great numbers of them were found uh, killed. And then the others that weren't killed immediately began to look around in confusion. What's happened? They became so confused, they began to fight each other and they killed themselves. And so the whole army was defeated. The bottom line, the nation of God's people faced the unknown. There was a day when they were at peace and there was not a care in the world. Then there was a day when the news came. They've gathered at En Gedi. They've gathered down by the Dead Sea. They're on our, uh, the fringe of our territory. They're about ready to attack us and their numbers are huge and they're armed thoroughly. That news came and they had to face what had been unknown but suddenly became known to them. But their leader led them to God in prayer. Their prophet reminded them of God's word and God's truth. And then God's spirit moved in them and through them to defeat their enemy, to overcome their problem and their obstacle. And I suggest to you today, he will do that for you and me, whatever situation, whatever circumstance we face. As I close, let me direct you again to that last phrase. It's important where we look. They said, our eyes are on thee. Not only looking, but listening, ready to do whatever you tell us to do. Well, looking for God's people then and now has some other records in the scripture and I won't go through all of them, but I'll mention a couple of them to you. Earlier in Jewish history, these people had been in the wilderness before they ever got to the promised land, before they ever became a kingdom. And in the wilderness they sinned and God began to punish them by sending snakes into their midst and they were bitten by the snakes and numbers of them were killed to the point they realized that they brought this on themselves and only God could deliver them. So they went to Moses, their leader, and said, Moses, pray for God to deliver us from this. And Moses prayed and God said, put a pole in the camp, fashion a brazen serpent, a brass snake, put it on the pole, and whoever will look at that snake will be delivered, will live. It's not the point of the snake or the pole, the point is obedience to God. God told them what to do. They obeyed God and in obeying God, God delivered them from that particular crisis. But they had to look to live. Let me read to you another passage from the book of Isaiah. If you hadn't come across this verse before, you may want to make a note of it. Isaiah chapter 45, <clears throat> verse 22. God says through the prophet Isaiah to you and to me today, Look unto me, look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Where we're focused, where we're looking matters. It mattered then, Isaiah says it mattered in his day, 
And then a man came to Jesus one night, John chapter 3, you remember the story. His name was Nicodemus. His life was empty and broken. He was searching. And Jesus had a conversation with him and first of all told him he needed to be born again and he couldn't understand that. And then he said, well, let me tell you this, Nicodemus. You, you know Jewish history. You're a scholar of the Old Testament. You remember that time back in the book of Numbers when a pole had to be lifted up and a serpent was placed on it and in obedience to my command, the people looked and they looked to live. He said in the same way, Nicodemus, I'm going to be lifted up one day, not on a post, but on a cross, not as a serpent, but as a savior. But the need for you, Nicodemus, and for all people of all generations is to do what said right here, our eyes are upon thee, to look in order to live. I want to ask you today, are your eyes on him? Are you looking to him, the one who finally and ultimately was lifted up on a cross? to die so that you could live. Are you looking to him? As I speak today, I'm confident in this room and certainly by live stream, there are those who would say, no, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about the cross. I've heard a lot of things from the Bible, but I've never really looked to him as my source, declaring total helplessness on my part and total dependence upon him. I've never done that. Well, I want to tell you today, it's available to you. Jesus not only told Nicodemus to look to the one who was lifted up on the cross as the serpent was in the wilderness to find salvation, but he went on to say, Nicodemus, God loved you so much that he sent his son, me, Jesus, to die for you on that cross so that if you would look to me, believe on me, you would not perish in your sin, but you would have everlasting life. And that's the same promise that's available to every one of us here today as well. So if you've never done that, there's the opportunity and the need for you to do that right here and right now today. If you're viewing by live stream, we encourage you to get in touch with us by phone or by email or some way. Let us know that you're uh, uh, making this decision, this commitment. You have this need to find life and to find it by rejecting your own abilities and by depending totally upon the one who died for you on the cross. I would ask you again, are you looking to him and living? Some of us in this room have been distracted. We're not looking to him. We're looking to ourselves. We're looking to others. We're trying to figure things out. And God is saying to us today, no, reject your abilities. You're not physically strong enough. You're not mentally or spiritually capable. Surrender it to me and find life. Focus on me, your eyes only on me. Some of us need to do that. Perhaps you're here today and you're ready to move your membership to First Baptist Pelham. Our pastor reminded us last week, the numbers have increased year by year since COVID and he'd love to see us reach that uh, 90 number. We're almost there. And to you today, if God is telling you to do it, not for numbers sake, not to please our pastor or to please me, but for, if God's telling you to do it, then you could be the one today on this last Sunday of 2023 to move your life and your membership to this church. Help us reach that goal that's been a dream for 2023 and put us in a position to move forward to all those goals that God has for us in 2024. The praise band's gonna come. They're gonna sing in a moment. I'm gonna lead us in prayer first. Then I'm gonna stand here at the front. If you need to come today to kneel at this altar in prayer and seek the Lord, put your eyes upon him, then I invite you to do that. If you need to join this church by membership, we welcome you to do that. If you need to be saved,
either in person here in this room or by live stream, then look to Jesus and live. And if you're here in this room, let us know by coming forward. If you're joining us by live stream, let us know through some means that you've made that decision today so that we can stand with you as you move forward. Stand with me if you would. Let's bow together in prayer. And after I've prayed, we'll sing together and give you the opportunity to come forward as God speaks to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this hour today, this passage of scripture you've given to us. Marvelous promises, promises we know that are true because we've seen you do it in the past. Father, we ask you to help us believe today, to look to you alone today and live. For those who need a savior, help them to understand and know today that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. For those who need to make other decisions, Lord, guide them. Enable them, empower them, direct them to do what you have them to do here in this service. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.